Chapters twenty one and twenty two of When Shadows Die by E. D. E. N. Southworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget Gage. Chapter twenty one. Country visitors. Captain Grandier and Rosemary left the old capital prison by the way they had entered it, and bent their steps toward Pennsylvania Avenue, and thence toward their hotel. The old skipper went upstairs with Rosemary to ask after Mrs. Force. They found all the young people of their party still in the drawing-room. Mr. Force was up another flight of stairs, in the room next to that of his sick wife. Lieutenant Force had returned to his ship. Odalite, Wynnette, and Elva were seated about the room, trying to work at their flower embroidery, and conversing at intervals in hushed voices. "'Well, and how is the mother by this time?' cheerily inquired the captain, with a view to encourage the daughters. "'Dr. Bolton has just made a second visit, and says that she will do well if not disturbed,' replied Odalite. "'Thank heaven! I hope she will be all right in a day or two. exclaimed Grandier, heartily, as he threw himself into a big armchair and dropped his hat between his feet. "'How did you leave Roland?' inquired Wynnette. "'Perfectly well, as to his bodily health. He inquired after you all, and sent his respects to you.' "'How does he take his arrest and imprisonment?' "'That is what I meant,' said Wynnette. "'Bravely and patiently, as should a man with a good conscience,' replied the captain." "'You can prove that he was a prisoner among the pirates, and not a comrade of their crew?' said Wynnette. "'I can swear that he was their prisoner,' replied the old man. "'And, of course, that will clear him,' said Wynnette, conclusively. The old skipper did not contradict her. Perhaps he might have done so, however, if at that moment the door had not opened to admit a waiter, who brought a handful of cards that he held together like an open fan. Before he could deliver them, a group of laughing visitors passed him and entered the room. Rosemary made a dart at the group, exclaiming, "'Mother! Oh, mother!' She was caught in the arms of Mrs. Dorothy Hedge and covered with tears and kisses, while the other three girls rushed upon Miss Susanna Grandier, and the old skipper trotted across the room and shook hands with his grandnephew Sam, who was the only member of the visiting party left for him. The words that followed on all sides were at first rather incoherent, as such greetings after such partings are apt to be. "'We followed up the fellow who brought up her tickets,' fancy our staying downstairs to wait for him to go and come. So as he insisted on taking our tickets first and handed us blank ones and a pencil, I wrote all our names down and let him take them, but we followed close behind the tickets, said Mr. Sam Grandier. Cards, dear Sam, cards, whispered Wynnette. How is it that you are not in the army? inquired Captain Grandier. Because somebody had to stay home to plough and sow and look after the family, replied the young man. "'And so you never volunteered, and you bought a substitute when you were drafted?' "'I never volunteered, because my father and brother were both in the army, "'and because, as I said before, somebody had to stay home and look after the crops. "'And I never was drafted. "'If I had been, I should have gone in, "'because I could not have found it in my conscience "'to tempt any poor fellow with money to go and get shot in my place. "'No, if I had been drafted, I should have gone.' "'Right, my boy. Right, right, right,' exclaimed his uncle heartily. "'And how are all here?' inquired Miss Susanna Grandier, when at length all were seated. "'You see us all here except Papa and Mamma. Papa is well, but Mamma, Here the speaker, Odalite, paused as the tears choked her voice. Miss Grandier looked from one to the other of the family party, in mute though anxious inquiry. "'Mrs. Force was taken suddenly ill this morning,' said the old captain, speaking for his friends. "'No, now don't be alarmed. The doctor, who has just left her, says that she is doing well.' and will be all right if kept quiet, 
he added, to soothe the uneasiness of the visitors. "'But what is the matter with her?' inquired Mrs. Hedge. "'She had a severe shock, and fell into a swoon. She has been lying prostrate, but quiet ever since. Now don't be alarmed. There is no danger.' "'But what sort of a shock?' inquired Miss Grandier. "'Susanna, you were always Inquisitor General. Mrs. Force heard suddenly that a friend of ours, young Roland Bayard, had been taken prisoner under exceptional circumstances.' "'What circumstances?' persisted the Inquisitor. The old skipper heaved a deep sigh, and as briefly as he could, told the story of Roland's double capture, first by the argent that took the kitty, and afterward by the eagle that took the argent and he added, without reserve, the circumstances of Captain Silver's alleged claim upon Roland, which sealed the lips of the latter. "'Roland, the pirate's son? Why, he is no more Silver's son than he is mine!' exclaimed young Sam. "'But now tell us how it was that you found us so soon.' "'Well,' said Sam, to begin at the beginning, "'on Monday morning we got your telegram, saying that you had all arrived safe, and that Uncle Gideon was along with you, and you would be with us in a few days.' "'Naturally, we were all rejoiced, and we waited for you. "'But on Wednesday morning we got the New York papers, "'telling all about the capture of the Argent by the Eagle, "'and the arrival of the Argent under command of Lieutenant Force, "'and of the prize being ordered to the Navy Yard here. "'And it did not need one to rise from the dead "'to reveal the fact that we should all come directly to this city to meet Lee,' put in Wynnette. "'No, it didn't,' assented Sam. "'And so I offered to come up and see you, "'and Aunt Dolly and Aunt Sugi said they would come too. "'So I harnessed the two strongest draft horses to the old carryall, "'and we set out yesterday morning. "'We got as far as Horsehead last night, "'and put up there for the night. "'This morning we started early, and reached the city about noon. First, like a fool, I drove my party to your sometime house at the West End, "'found it was all turned into public offices. "'Then we went the rounds of the hotels, "'and now at last we have found you.' "'Good boy!' exclaimed Wynnette. "'But have you found rooms?' anxiously inquired the skipper. "'No, our carry-all is at the door. We came here to call first. But we also hoped that we would be able to put up here,' said Sam. "'Indeed, I hope you may,' said the old skipper. "'But the dearest thing in Washington at the present time is space. If I had a room to myself, I would offer it to these ladies. But I have only a single bed in a double-bedded room.' "'But at any rate, you will order your carriage around to the livery stable "'and spend the day with us. "'That will give Mr. Grandier time to see about your rooms, here or elsewhere,' "'said Odalite to the two elder ladies, "'who were seated on the sofa with Rosemary between them, "'with each of her little hands clasped one in each of theirs. "'Yes, my dear, thank you. We will spend the day,' "'announced Mrs. Hedge for her party. "'Come up now and lay off your wraps,' said Rosemary, "'leading the way to what in party parlance was now called the room.' "'Uncle,' inquired Sam Grandier, very anxiously, "'are matters really serious with Roland Bayard?' "'So serious, my lad, that I fear for the worst, "'unless he can be disabused of this idea that Silver has impressed upon him, "'that he is the pirate's own son. "'He will never be induced to give the testimony "'that will convict that pirate and vindicate himself. "'If Miss Sibby Bayard were only here, "'she might be of use at this time,' mused Sam aloud." "'Miss Sibby Bayard is here, you bet. "'Talk of the devil and you know what follows,' "'said a voice on the threshold, "'and the form of the lady in question appeared at the door. "'When a thing has got to be done, says I, "'the sooner the better, says I. "'And so here I am, good folks.'" Chapter 22 New Hope "'Miss Sibby!' exclaimed the assembled party, in one breath, "'as they all arose to welcome her. 
"'Oh, yes,' said the good woman, after she had shaken hands all around, and had sunk breathless into the nearest easy-chair. "'It is all mighty fine to cry out, Miss Sibby, as if you were overjoled at the sight of me. But deeds speak louder than words,' says I. "'And them as runs away to the city and leave me behind,' says I, "'and then pretends to be glad to see me,' says I, "'is nothing but sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal,' says I. "'Yes, it's you, I mean, Sam Grandier. "'But, Miss Sibby, I didn't run away and leave you, ma'am,' pleaded the young fellow. "'And plenty of room in the carryall too, as might have accommodated me very well. "'The old saying says, as where there is a will there is a way, "'and I says, correspondimentally, says I, "'where there is a way, says I, there ought to be a will, says I. "'Yes, I'm talking to you, Sam Grandier. "'You had the way to take me, but you hadn't got the will.' "'Indeed, Miss Sibby, I didn't know you wanted to come. "'I should have been glad enough to take you.' "'Why didn't you ask me, then? "'You might a knowed, soon as the news reached our neighborhood, "'as all the folks had come back from foreign parts, "'and Gideon Grandier among em, "'as I would want to come up and hear news of my lad. "'But you run away and left me behind. "'And when I found it out, I just said to myself, says I, "'I'll just harness up my old mule, says I, "'and I won't be long behind em, says I. "'And so here I am.' "'How did you find us out?' inquired Captain Grandier. "'In the funniest way as ever you see. "'As I was a-driving slowly up the Pennsylvania Avenue, "'who should I see but that dog Joshua, "'a-walking as majestical down the street "'as if the whole city belonged to him? "'I knowed him at once, and naturally looked to see who was along of him. "'And then who should I see but that nigger a-walking down the street behind the dog, "'as if the whole country belonged to him, if you please? "'So I stopped the mule and hollered to him.' and the worst of hollering after anybody on Pennsylvania Avenue, as that everybody in hearing thinks as you're hollering after them. So everybody had to turn and look at me and my mule, and the nigger stood and stared, and I had to holler after him again to ax him where his master was a-putting up, and he come to the side of the cart and told me, and axed me to let him get in and drive me to the hotel, cause, he said, everyone was a-staring at me. "'And so Dixon drove you here, did he, ma'am?' inquired the old skipper. "'He did. But as for the people staring at me,' says I to that nigger, "'if I am a show, I'm a free show,' says I, "'and it will cost em nothing,' says I. "'And it ain't often as the poor white trash in the city "'gets a good chance to stare at the descendant of the great duke,' says I, "'and you may lay your life on that,' says I. "'So that nigger got in and drove the mule, "'and Joshua marched behind as solemn as a funeral procession. "'And so we got here. "'And now how is my boy, my adopted nephew? "'And where is he?' "'Roland is in good health. He is at present, ahem, living on Capitol Hill,' answered the old salt, who was unwilling at this juncture to enter into explanations with Miss Sibby as to Roland's real state. "'And why isn't the boy staying here with you all?' inquired the old lady. "'Oh, he—there is no room here. We are fearfully crowded. The four young ladies have to sleep two in a bed, in a double-bedded room.' "'That's ruinous to health. Why don't you all go to some other hotel?' "'because they are all more crowded than this. "'Then what am I to do?' "'Oh, Sam and I are going out to hunt for lodgings now. "'We have to find lodgings for my two nieces and nephew. "'We will hunt up a place for you also. "'Of course you will stay here to-day.' "'It is perfectly dreadful. "'If I had a knowed all this, I'd a never have left home. "'I had room enough to turn round in there anyways. "'When people's well off, says I, they ought to be content, says I. "'But how is Abel Force and his wife and Odalite?' "'I don't see any of em around. "'Mrs. Force is not well, "'and Mr. Force is with her, I believe. "'Odalite went to show my two nieces "'to a room to take off their things,' "'discreetly answered the old sailor. "'What's the matter along of Elfrida Force?' 
Well, she... I really don't know. Not much, I hope. I know. It's trotting around so much. That's where it is. When people gets to be past their prime, says I, they ought to take care of what's left of them, says I. Dancing bears, says I, must pay for their heirs, says I. What sort of a time have you had since the war began, Miss Sibby? inquired the old salt, with a view to take the visitor off dangerous ground. But he fell from the frying pan into the fire. The old lady's face flushed and her eyes snapped. Don't ask me what sort of a time I've had. Old Scratch's own time. What with being raided by first one party and then another, I have hardly a sheep or a pig or a duck or a hen left on the place. And what with being called a rebel by the Unioners, and a traitor by the Confederers, I have hardly a morsel of self-respect or Christian charity left in my heart. And I haven't a bit of respect for either party, not I, clapper-clawing each other like a pack of wild cats for nothing in this world, as I can see, lest it is because they haven't got no furriners to clapper-claw. If free people can't live peaceable in a free, healthy, plentiful country, says I, the sooner they get the turkey of Constantinople to rule over them, the better, says I. You seem to be excited, Miss Sibby. So would you be excited if you had suffered all that I have. First comes the Unioners and carries off all my pigs and calls me a rebel because I object. And then comes the Confederers and carries off all my fowls and calls me a traitor because I don't see the right of it. Unioners and Confederers, I call em blue bottle flies and gray back bugs, I do. Oh, Miss Sibby. Well, then I do. I hain't no patience with neither party. A cutting and a slashing at each other like injuns. Only last week a lot of blue bottles come riding up and search the house after a spy, as if I would harbor a spy, and after eating up and drinking up everything in the house, and putting me in fear of my life, they mounted and rode away, telling me to take care of myself. Take care of myself, indeed, after scaring me almost to death. Oh, Miss Sibby, I am afraid you are not— Whatever he was going to say was cut short by the sudden opening of the door, and the re-entrance of Odalite Force, escorting Mrs. Hedge and Miss Grandier. "'You here, Miss Sibby!' exclaimed the three ladies in a breath. "'What the bluebottles and the graybacks has left of me is here, as you see,' replied Miss Bayard, rising to receive the welcome of the new arrivals. "'And now, Sam, my boy, we will go out hunting lodgings, and if we can't find them in the city, we will even go a little way into the country,' said the old skipper, as he arose and bowed himself out of the room, followed by his nephew. When they had gone, Lord Enderby, who had been left out of the talk, now fancied himself out of place, so he likewise arose and bowed himself out. When the half-dozen women were left in the parlor, they drew their chairs together and fell into a confidential talk. Miss Sibby inquired more particularly into the nature of Mrs. Force's illness, and Wynnette, with her brusque frankness, told the truth that the shock of hearing Roland Bayard's arrest and imprisonment under the charge of piracy had made the lady ill. Miss Sibby just stared with incredulous amazement. "'Roland Bayard, my Roland, charged with piracy? "'Why, it is all a funny mistake, you know, that must be soon set right. "'And that old gay deceiver, Gideon Grandier, to go and tell me that he was boarding on Capitol Hill, "'when he was in prison there. "'What did he do it for? Was he afeard of scaring me about my own Roland? "'Why, lor,' says I, when I know my boy is innocent, says I, "'I know his innocence is gwine to shine forth like the sun at midday, says I, "'and make his accusers ashamed, says I.' Here it was felt to be right Miss Sibby should be told of the real state of the case, and so she had to hear all about the taking of the kitty by the argent, when the skipper and his mate were made prisoners by the pirate, who set the former at liberty on the coast of Cornwall, and kept the latter a captive on board the argent, and then of the capture of the argent by the eagle, 
and the bringing of the prize into port with the pirate captain and his first officer on board, and finally the identification of the two prisoners as Angus Anglesea, alias Captain Silver, and Roland Bayard, alias Craven Cloud, and the alleged paternal claim of the former upon the latter, which now closed the lips of the claimed son from saving himself by testifying against the self-styled father. Miss Sibby's eyes opened, her brows raised, and her chin dropped in sheer, horrified amazement. "'Why, them's all lies!' she indignantly exclaimed. "'Abel Force knows they're lies. Why don't he go and tell the boy better? As to that Anglesea a turning out to be no Anglesea at all, no English gentleman at all, and no military officer at all, but just a pirate, after being a thief and a forger, I'm not a bit surprised at that. No more would I be surprised if he was found out to be old Scratch himself, allowed to come on earth in the human form in these very bad times. But as for anything going amiss with my boy, on account of his being stuffed with lies about that pirate being of his own father, it shan't be done. Me and Abel Force will put a stop to that. Abel Force knows who that boy's father is, and I have my suspicions. There shan't be a hair of his head hurt, mind that, said the old lady, shaking her head. "'Oh, Miss Sibby,' pleaded little Rosemary, clasping her hands prayerfully, and raising her large blue eyes to the speaker's face. "'Can you, will you, save Roland?' "'Abel Force can, and he will, or I'll know the reason why,' replied Miss Bayard. For hours longer the conversation ran on Roland Bayard and the net of circumstances that had caught him in this perilous false position. They were still talking when the two gentlemen returned, and reported that they had found comfortable lodgings for the travellers, who might take possession of their new quarters that evening. "'Where is Abel Force?' inquired the captain, as they all went down to luncheon. "'Papa sent words down that he did not need luncheon, but would join us at dinner in the evening,' replied Odalite. And they began the meal. And meanwhile, where was Abel Force? End of chapter 22